This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks is Rhett Gillins. He's in the restaurant industry and he feels stuck. He wants to start his own software business. So congratulations, Rhett, for your guys' chance to win 100 bucks every Monday morning. Simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now in order to enter and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you subscribed. Folks, many of you heard I made a big league acquisition of a business, NathanLacka.com forward slash send later is the name of the business. And I didn't want to give up equity to a developer because I'm a business guy. So what I did is I used a website to find a guy named He Shiming. I've paid He over $12,000 to help me build send later. And the site that I am using now is called Topital at NathanLacka.com forward slash T-O-P. T-A-L. I will build Send Later into a big business and I will take it public by the time I turn 30. I'll tell you more later on in the episode. Nathan Latka here. This is episode 437. Coming up tomorrow morning, you're going to learn from Zach Benson and how he danced his way to $100,000 in business using Instagram and his dance moves. Top Tribe. Good morning, everyone. Our guest today is Anand Sanwal. He is the CEO and co-founder of CB Insights, which is the algorithmic McKinsey. It's based on, well, it's really a National Science Foundation-backed technology market intelligent plat- platform that provides predictive intelligence into emerging technology trends, startups, and corporate strategy. His customers include Cisco, Sequoia Capital, Gartner, KPMG, Marketo, Red Hat, Castrol, just to name a few. Now, prior to founding CB Insights, Anand managed the 50 million Chairman's Innovation Fund at American Express and worked in VC and corporate M&A. Before Amex, he worked at Cosmo.com, one of New York City's most infamous dot-com flameouts, which we'll talk about, where he learned that if you buy something for two and sell it for one, you will not <laughs> make it up in volume. He has degrees in chemical engineering from the University of Pennsylvania and in finance and accounting from the Wharton School of Business. Anand, are you ready to take us to the top? I am indeed. Thanks, Nathan. Why can't you make it up in volume if you're buying something for two and sell it for one? This seems like basic math, right? It does. It does. But we forgot that at Cosmo. So we raised, I think, like $250, $260 million and did that for a while. And and eventually economics caught up with us when the money dried up. And uh, yeah, and then I went and got a big company job after that. What year was that? That was right when the dot com uh, two thousand uh, November of two thousand is whenever when the when the walls came crashing down. What was your role at that business? I was uh, I was in charge. I was actually very much in charge of uh, of helping us spend money like crazy. So I was expanding us into other markets. So I launched New York warehouses, Atlanta. Then they sent me and three guys to London to launch Cosmo Europe uh, before we really even figured out the business in the states. So I was. Uh, trying to get European markets set up. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a, it was actually a, a, a good business in some markets. We just got 
you know, we just overexpanded beyond sort of where we should have been for uh, where we were as a company in terms of maturity. But so uh, you were literally, it's like almost like the nuclear submarine. You were the guy in the control room pulling the money triggers on where to spend. How were you self-rationalizing back in the day when you were spending money that at the moment was not profitable? You must have been telling yourself something to convince yourself it would be in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea was, you know, if we get order volume to a certain level, then there'd be all these economies of scale. I think the other thing was we were all the New York centric company, at least to start. And so the model worked quite well in New York, where people are very convenience oriented. But as soon as you go to Atlanta and LA, where people drive everywhere, it just wasn't a thing, right? Um, But yeah, I mean, at the time, I was what 23 or so. So to some degree, I was kind of just swept up in the moment. You know, I was I was a paper millionaire. Um, You know, everybody was going, public it was just it was exciting and then did you lose paper paper did it you didn't, no one really made anything right did it just totally flame out it just totally flamed out yeah, yeah. i was uh i was yeah on paper was a millionaire we'd filed i think our s1 and then the market really turned and and all of that ended very quickly so and then um, what where'd you head after cosmo then i went to american express to work in their venture capital m&a group mm-hmm. so uh so that was kind of you know had been through the dot-com thing figured i should get some big company experience get a little stability because i'd had multiple jobs kind of in a three-year span um and yeah then was at american express for seven years ended up managing that the innovation fund before i left and then always wanted to get back to doing my own thing and, and before sort of the golden handcuffs went on at american express i decided i should uh i should make a move and, and give it a shot was that scary for you? I, I I learned from two types of entrepreneurs on the show. Either they've totally hedged their bet, they used corporate job and their salary to save up enough cushion where if the new thing failed, it would be no big issue. And then other people totally risk it all. Which bucket were you in? Um, probably more the first. I mean, I'd like worked there for a while, had, had saved up, you know, I had a great relationship there. So when I, they started having conversations with me about moving to SVP and then I quit actually the, the next week. And, uh, but I knew that, you know, I mean, it was a, it wasn't like a, uh, a risk that, you know, in the sense of my family is going to be destitute, you know, if yep. things didn't work out with CB insights, I'd go back to, uh, they said, Hey, we'll, we'll take you back. I think at this point it's been so long that I'm sort of unemployable at a big company, but, um, but back then, you know, I'm sure if I could have, although, uh, that would have been a, a huge ego hit if, <laughs> if I had to, if I had to go crawl back to, to the big company. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and, uh, if you're comfortable sharing this, I'd love to know what, because people are always making this choice whether they start their own thing. Uh, what was the salary that you gave up at American Express and then jump in and start your own thing? Uh, this is seven Do years ago. I was probably all in probably around 325, 325,000. Okay. Yes, that's uh, people listening going, okay, yeah, he gave up a lot. Anyone listening making 40, 50 grand, something much lower should make your decision way easier, right, Anand? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think to some degree that also affords you a cushion, right? So, yeah. Um, so yeah. You know, there's there's no absolutes in these things, but you know, it was sort of right time, right place for me, and uh, and you know, decided to to make the plunge and and had some great guys from Amex who joined me, so it made it made it a bit easier as well. Were you single with no kids when you made this jump? No, no. I was married with a kid on the way. That oh, was wow. probably that was the bad. That Ooh. was that was the maybe the, the less uh, the less smart part of it. And it was kind of uh, right as the t- 2008 recession was starting. So you know, it was one of those if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger type things in retrospect. But yep. uh, but yeah, could have timed it way better if 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 these things are you know things you can time at all. Let's talk about your algorithmic McKinsey called CB Insights. Give me the last kind of customer example. Tell me tell me a story of how they actually used you and what they paid you. 
Yeah, so um, so you know, customers using us to try to figure out sort of where the world is going. You know, every industry is being attacked by technology. Um, and so what we try to do is we mine patents, venture financings, news media, social media, government grants to find signals that help identify sort of where tech is going. Um, in terms of the last customer, so, you know, typically just price-wise, you know, customers pay us anywhere from around 40000 a year up to a couple hundred thousand. Okay. Um, we've been working a lot in the insurance industry right now. So it's kind of this, you know, sort of sleepy industry, you know, massive but sleepy. And now there's been kind of technology that's really coming after it. Um, and so one of the things that a client used us for was, uh, again, sort of industry that's been just generating t- cash, you know, hand over fist for a long time. And so it's easy to become complacent. So they use our data to basically create a sense of urgency among senior management. So they said, hey, here's here's all of these potential startups and emerging technologies that are sort of unbundling us. And they've mm-hmm. helped with our help. We, we put these sort of, they've become somewhat well-known amongst corporations, these unbundling graphics where we pick a company's website and we say, hey, here's all the startups that are attacking each and every oh, one of your cool. product lines. And what that ends up doing is, you know, you could give it to them as a list in Excel, but that doesn't have the same visceral impact. You know, when you show them the website and you say, hey, here's 300 startups that are attacking each and every sort of line item, it gets it gets senior managers to pay attention. So that was the first thing that got, you know, them to say, hey, we need to be paying attention to this. And then from there, you know, now we've been helping them kind of figure out the lay of the land, you know, where are the threats the biggest? Who should they be thinking about? What are their competitors doing by based on mining their patent filings and other things? So it's... Um, yeah, it's become kind of a, a pretty large engagement for us as a result. Um, but, you know, I think the big thing for us here is when you think about how companies make these decisions or have made these decisions historically, it's really kind of driven by, we call it sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek, the three Gs, Google searches, gut instinct, and guys with MBAs. Uh. Um, <laughs> And, you know, our view is that there's just so much data out there that's beyond human cognition. So we're trying to basically kind of surface all that using probability and algorithms. Love but, that. Uh, we should go to 4G and add guys and gals with MBAs, right? This is true. Uh, this I've is met true. some smart cookies. I'll tell you what, they, they'll rip you apart, but they're so smart. Yeah, yeah, no, they absolutely are. I mean, I think it's 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 uh, you know, there's there's no replacing human cognition, but you know, there's there's just no way to plow through this much data as an individual or even a group of individuals. So this is where machines are are really well suited to solve these types of problems. In August of this year, 2016, so last month, how many paying customers are you serving? Uh, we just are over 500. Okay, got it. So, so, and I'm looking at your pricing. You said 40K to 100K annually. If you had to kind of average that out, is it fair to say an average might be 60-ish? Uh, no, the average will be lower. The average is probably just around 40 because okay. um, we have some smaller clients that are legacy clients. So, you know, pricing mistakes we made up front were myriad. And so I, when we first came out of the gate, our product was $2,400 a year. Um, and so we still have some clients who are loyal and who are early adopters who we try to take care of who are still on a very e- extremely, extremely low pricing. So, um, but yeah, kind of going forward, it's definitely more institutional. And we're trying to get it up to six figures within the next 12 months. That's smart. Uh, kind of going upstream. And you got, it sounds like you have very valuable data. What was the, give me a sense of, of run rate that you guys are at right now. And last month in August, what was total MRR? Yeah, so we think of it really on ARR. People buy annual subscriptions. Sure. Um, we do. We're going to do healthy eight figures of revenue this year. Um, 
So, you know, we were uh, kind of healthy seven figures last year, high seven figures. And this yep. year it's going to be in the, you know, jumping up pretty significantly. We've been growing 100 to 200% year over year for the last couple of years. Customer, um, grow, customer number in, count or in revenue? revenue? In revenue, in revenue. Um, you know, I think we've been, uh, the, the, you know, the other sort of metrics that we think are important uh you know, media is kind of a big driver of a lot of our leads, lead generation. So we've been cited by the media, our data this, this year, 2,400 times already. Um, the team has grown really significantly. So we're How many we're 20, people? 20 months ago, we were 24 and last week we crossed 103 oh, wow. or 104. Yeah. So we've grown really quickly over the last kind of less than two years. You know, based in all, all New York? Uh, 102 of 104 in New York. <laughs> Got yeah. it. Going back real quick to, to some of the revenue stuff. So you said you're going to yeah. be healthy. You said ten figures this year. Eight. Okay, I want to make sure. I want to make sure I heard yeah, that right. Ten would ten would be fantastic. I was going to say holy right? mackerel. Yeah. So you guys yeah. are you going to be twelve million? Uh, more than that. You'll be more. Okay. Very cool. Um, yeah. If I'm doing the math properly, if I have 500 customers times an average of 40k annual plan, if I divide 40k by 12 months, I've got about 3.3k per month times the 500. Is it fair to say MRR is somewhere between 1.6 and 2 million last month? Uh, it's probably it's probably a bit high, just because again, like not all those customers are paying us at the 40k range, okay, right? So yeah, just because the legacy one, guys are lower. Yeah, I'll say a little less than than one five. And and the reason I'm asking that yep. is because you you said you kind of think about it at, in terms of an annual run rate. So if we take the one five times twelve again, you're in that you know twelve to twenty ish yeah. range, right? Very yeah. cool. And I think, you know, we, we, we charge folks on it. You know, they pay up front for the annual subscription. So that's what's... Uh, Everybody or just know. a percentage? Everybody. So you never required. have like cash gap issues then? No, no. Yeah. yeah. I mean, part of it is, you know, the product is, is complex. And so we need you to, we need you to, we have to spend some time with you to get you to to understand it. And so, you know, having monthly churn, which we used to have up front, um, just wasn't effective. So, so yeah, we moved to a fully kind of annual model. Um, you, I believe are at a price point where an inside sales team makes complete sense. What are you willing, what is the, not just the marketing spend and your PR spend, but what is your fully weighted, including inside sales salaries? What's your fully weighted CAC? Yeah, so our cost of, of individual customer acquisition, when we look at it, is just over 15K. Okay. So that's inclusive of the sales team and all the marketing spend. So, you know, Google ads, Facebook, et cetera, the retargeting and whatnot that we um, that we do to sort of engage or re-engage prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we have really phenomenal SaaS fundamentals because given – and then customer churn is very low. What uh, is churn? Uh, we're just at 10%. Annually? So, annually, yeah. Yeah, so sub 1% monthly. And that's gross customer churn or revenue churn? That's gross. And then, yeah, net is, uh, depending on the month, uh, you know, in terms of who turns over, it'll be negative if we get upsells in there. Yeah, I was going to say that 10%, though, is that gross, unique customer count or oh, no, revenue? That's revenue. That's Got revenue. it. Yep, Got it. Revenue. Yeah, so yep. I was going to say, you're probably in the world where you're upselling with an inside sales team of net negative revenue churn most months. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. If all goes well. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Um, okay. What about lifetime? Sorry. What about uh, lifetime value in terms of months? How many or years? How many years does the average customer stay with you based off? I know this is a moving target, but based off your projections. Yeah. I mean, it's, we model it at, uh, at five years, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we actually model it at a 20% churn. 
yeah. um, just to be conservative. And, you know, we haven't been around that long to know, really. So we figure uh, just to be kind of a little bit more uh, conservative in our estimates. So, um, so yeah. So it's it's a pretty significant LTV then. Extra, I was going to say extrapolating that forward, assuming five years and 40K contracts, is it fair to say you're projecting a $200,000 lifetime value in dollars? That's right. Yeah, that's great. So, you, I mean, most folks are shooting for a three to one kind of kind of you know LTV to CAC ratio. You're two hundred grand to fifteen grand. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think <laughs> we were boots we were bootstrapped for a long time, so we became pretty resourceful. We raised some money finally, so now we're looking at you know how do we accelerate that? And obviously, we can spend more to acquire customers given given that given that LTV to CAC uh, disparity. How much did you raise? Uh, we raised ten million. Was and that was your first round. That was our first and only round. Yep. That's great. So, so I'm I'm assuming that wasn't a convertible note. Was that priced? Yeah, that was priced. Yeah. And what uh, what valuation were you able to negotiate? Uh, a good one. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah, you don't answer, uh, if you don't answer what it yeah. actually was, how'd you think about it? What what were you hearing in the marketplace? Um, so we had a pretty atypical kind of uh, fundraise, right? So our customers, many of them actually are VCs. Uh-huh. And so one of our VC customers had said, hey, listen, or growth equity, I guess they are, um, basically kind of put an offer in front of us, right? So it was very, we didn't go out and do a fundraise. We'd actually, John and I had said, hey, we're going to bootstrap this thing forever. But terms were kind of, um, were were reasonable. You know, when we thought about it, we didn't get, I mean, we had a valuation number in mind, you know, and I think we looked at kind of comparable companies out there in the SaaS space. Which two, um, name two of them you looked at? Yeah, I mean, when we looked at, you know, I think we, we like HubSpot, we like Viva, we like Marketo. They're obviously not in the in a data space that we are, but, um, you know, we think HubSpot in many ways from a content marketing perspective does a lot of, we do a lot of what they do or vice versa. Um, and so, yeah, we think of those as kind of interesting comps. And then, of course, we looked at the data companies like Thompson and Faxa and those folks. Um, but for us, it was, you know, valuation, and then it was really also control. Um, so, you know, we didn't we didn't need the money i think we optimized a lot for um kind of you know we're going to run the we want to continue to run the business we've the way we've run the business um and so other terms that i think sometimes get put into these contracts when it came or into into term sheets we were pretty adamant around you know control and liquidation preference and other things that would be uh that would be very kind of um in line with it being sort of still very founder led as a company are you the only founder no, I have another founder from American Express, actually, John Sherry. Got it, got it. And are you, you say you like companies like HubSpot, do you just look at their PE ratios so and then you try and aim for something between a 7 and 10x kind of ARR multiple? Yeah, we don't look at the PE as much because we've never, we, you know, we're growing quickly, so we don't really optimize for the E, right? Yep. So I think we tend to look at sort of price to revenue. Um, and then we, you know, we were able to sort of, based on there's a lot of great folks who've analyzed their 10Ks and Qs, look at even their sort of CAC to LTV, right? And so when we could look at theirs and we could look at ours and we could say, hey, ours is better or ours is not as good, whatever it might be, you know, we should get a, a premium or, or a discount, whatever it might be relative. But, you know, and I think the other thing for us, honestly, it was like taking money from somebody. We feel a significant weight of that. Um, and so we wanted to come up with a valuation that we felt would ultimately, you know, if and when we choose to exit, um, would get our investors a return on the capital they've invested with us as well. So, so who are you currently in acquisition talks with? 
Nobody, nobody. Trick question. Yes, yes. It was well played. Well, <laughs> well played. Hey, well, I was like, what? Well, what? How, do you, how do you know? <laughs> well answered. Even better answered. All right, Anand. Hey, this is people are going to really, I think, enjoy watching as you grow this thing. Where's the best place for them to connect with you online? Um, cbinsights.com is where we are. Uh, we're on Twitter at cbinsights. And uh, I'm personally at asonwall on Twitter as well. All right, guys, very quickly, many of you heard I acquired Send Later at nathanlatka.com forward slash send later. And here's the thing. I don't want to hire a big team. I'm a business guy, though, so I need developers. So what I did is I found this little website. I found this guy named He Shiming. I paid him over $12,000 to help me keep building this business, which I will take public by the time I turn 30. So it's called Toptal. Okay, and what Toptal does, it's a network of elite pre-vetted software developers. Basically, I told Toptal what I was looking for. They search their network for the best people. They even test the candidates, which saves me time. And then they just said, Nathan, here, use this candidate. They meet your individual needs and boom, I'm off to the races. So once you pick someone on Toptal, you can start working with them the next day. Now, for my people, Toptal's offering a no-risk trial period that you can get at Nathan nathanlatka.com forward slash T-O-P-T-A-L. Again, nathanlatka.com forward slash Toptal to get started. This is perfect if you're a business person listening that doesn't know how to incentivize or find a technical co-founder. Go to nathanlatka.com forward slash Toptal and get started building your app now. All right, Top Tribe, we'll link to that in the show notes at nathanlatka.com forward slash the top 437. Again, forward slash the top 437. Anand, it's time for my favorite part of the show. These are rapid fire. The last five questions called the famous five. You ready? All right, let's do it. Favorite business book? Uh, Influence, the psychology of persuasion. Number two, is there a CEO you're studying right now? Uh, I, I guess the person I've studied for a while is Jeff Bezos. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have, like FreshBooks? Um, it's a little boring, but mine would be good old Gmail. Yeah, that's not bad. Number four, yes or no, are you getting eight hours of sleep every night? I wish. No. <laughs> and what's your situation? I know it sounds like you have a kid now, but what's your situation? Married, single, you have kids? Married with two kids. It's okay, too. Very cool. And how old are you? I am 42. Okay, so last question. Take us back 22 years and on. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, I think it's to be patient, right? I thought I'd start a company much earlier. I kind of got antsy. I actually felt like, hey, I'm not uh, kind of with I'm not with my life plan. And, uh, you know, things happen for a reason. So, um, so, yeah, not to be in a rush. And what year did you found CB Insights in? Uh, we launched 2010. 2010. Very cool. Top Tribe. There you have it from Anand, CEO of CB Insights. Be patient. They're growing super fast. Over 500 customers, 10 million raised, healthy seven figures in 2015, breaking to eight figures in 2016 with about a $40,000 annual contract value average net negative revenue churn most months with a team of 104, well, 102 folks up there in New York City focused on being the algorithmic McKinsey. Anand, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan. Take care. If you enjoyed Anand today, go back and listen to Victor yesterday. Victor did $4.5 million on eBay and then launched a SaaS business to help you easily sell on eBay. It's already doing twenty five grand per month and it's called Crazy Lister. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.